Hi, my name is Alejandro Pérez Pérez and this is the AI Coffee Podcast. Every week we will have one episode regarding one disruptive aspect of technologies for the time to drink a cup of coffee. Today we have Alejandro Borrayo Rentero, which is a colleague in our group in Fujitsu specialized in a really insightful domain called quantum computing. I don't know if you have heard that once in your life, but I guess that you will remember by the end of the episode. So he studied a bachelor's degree in physics in Extremadura University. Then he did a master's degree in theoretical physics in Universidad Complutense de Madrid. Then he has been working for more than four years as a quantum scientist in Accenture and Fujitsu. And also he's combining his experience as a quantum scientist with the role of professor in the Universidad Politécnica de Madrid. So the first question I would have to you is, how do you leave the fact of teaching and working at the same time? Hi, Alejandro. First of all, I'm really honored to be here um, well, teaching is a pleasure for me. When I first started in the University of Extremadura, I wanted to be a teacher. So this is something that I have always wanted to do. But of course, it is difficult to combine two jobs because I'm usually really tired. So it is difficult, but I like it a lot. I think that we are providing to the students meaningful insights because, of course, there are some teachers which are from the university and others which are from the, let's say, professional world. All of us provide to the students with meaningful contents. May I ask your students, maybe, what would they say about that? Don't, don't ask, just, <laughs> just in case. No, no, I think that they are happy. I think that there are also all colleagues teaching in the master. There are also professors from the university, but I think that we provide them really useful insights about the real professional world. It sounds like that. So what's quantum computing for you? Okay, so what is quantum computing? The, the big question. I'm sure that this is not the first time that you heard about this technology because it is uh, quite often in the technical newspapers. If I have to give a definition, I would say that quantum computing is a new technology or a new paradigm, maybe, that uses the features of quantum mechanics in order to compute information in a more efficient way than classical computers. When I say classical computers, I mean the personal computers that everybody can have in their homes, but I'm also referring to the biggest supercomputer that you can imagine in a data center. And how this is possible? This is possible mainly because of the capacity that quantum computers have to process information in, in parallel. So I have one question because you, when you were talking before about quantum computing and quantum computers, you, you talked about classical computers. And I know a little bit because I am physicist also and I studied classical and quantum mechanics, but maybe for the rest it's a little bit tricky. So 
for you, which are the difference from a quantum computer and a classical computer? Which are the main difference? Yeah, I would say that the first more important difference between a classical computer and a quantum computer is the basic unit of information. You know that in classical computers, the unit of information is the bit. With uh, one bit, you can have two different states, zero or one. Well, in quantum computers, the basic unit of information is the qubit. In a qubit, you can have also the classical states. You can have the zero state and the one state, but you also have uh, states that are superpositions of the zero and one states or that uh, states that are in other words zero and one at the same time in fact this is important because the capacity that a qubit has for representing information is much bigger than a bit if you try to represent in a, a graphical way the possible states in a bit you would have two dots and in a qubit the different possible states of a qubit are all the different points in a sphere of a radio of one. So you have infinite possible states. So you can imagine what this means. The capacity for representing information is much bigger. Yes, I, I get your point. And that's also for people, if it's a little bit complicated, I guess that most of you know the Schrodinger's cat. Like it's alive and dead at the same time. That's what we usually call superposition. And it is more or less what uh, we are talking about. So instead of having the bits, as Alejandro, you were saying, zero, one, or the states of the information, we have all at the same time. So the capacity of processing is quite much bigger, but also it's really hard to create these systems, right? So can you explain a little bit what is a quantum computer like can i have one at home or how how can i see a quantum computer does even exist a quantum computer first of all there are many different ways to let's say build a quantum computer okay there are many different technologies in fact ibm has its own quantum computer also google also ionq and they use different approaches for, let's say, building the, the qubit. But I think that we are not going to have a quantum computer at home. Of course, not now, but I think that not in the future also. This is important because many people think that quantum computing is going to replace classical computing. But that's not the idea. Quantum computers are really difficult to build. You have to think that we are dealing with microscopic systems which are really sensitive, for example, to temperature or magnetic perturbations. So your system should be really isolated from the environment. So right now are quite expensive. So the idea is not that you are going to perform every calculation with a quantum computer. You are going to keep using Excel and, and Word and everything. The idea is that for the calculations that are really, really complicated, 
maybe calculations that we can't even perform now. For example, there are really complicated calculations in the field of material discovery or drug discovery. Uh, the idea is that we are going to use quantum computers for that kind of calculations to accelerate the calculations that are not possible with classical computers. But we are going to keep using classical computers for everything else. The idea is that we have to be able to integrate both technologies. Yeah, that's true that Excel will run the world for at least a decade or more. And quantum <laughs> computers, maybe they will be the present in a couple of years, but still, yeah, I guess that it's more like we are going to access them through our computers or something like that, right? Like to we are sending them calculus or things, but not exactly like having one at home. So I have also one question because I remember that when we were preparing this session, you mentioned that there is something also called quantum technologies and quantum computing is a part of quantum technologies. But can you explain it a little bit others just to have a larger approach of how this AI is applied also in other domains? Yeah, this is important because many people think that quantum computing is the only quantum technology, but in fact, the idea is a quantum technology is any technology that uses quantum mechanics for anything. For example, there are many, many different things that you can use, that you can do by using quantum mechanics. For example, there are a field of the quantum technologies, uh, which is the quantum sensing. Uh, the idea is that you use the loss of quantum mechanics in order to be more precise in measuring. There are also quantum cryptography. The idea is that you can use the loss of quantum mechanics in order to encrypt information or to transmit information in a more secure way. Because the idea is that I'm not an expert in quantum cryptography, but the idea is that in quantum mechanics, you have to think that we are talking about microscopic systems in which the laws of physics are different from the laws of the world that we are accustomed to. In a quantum system, if you perform any measure, if, if you observe the system, you modify the system. So you can take advantage of that. If you use quantum mechanics to transmit information, if somebody try to read your information, he's going to perturbate your system. He's going to modify your system. You are going to know that somebody is looking at your information. And of course, apart from quantum sensoristic and quantum cryptography, you have quantum computing, which is the area in which you use quantum mechanics to perform calculations. But there are many other different uses for quantum mechanics. Great. I was wondering, what's the future for quantum computing, in your opinion? And also, do you think this is a sustainable technology or in the future that it will become sustainable? Okay, I will start with the first question. The future for any emerging technology, I think, is something really, really difficult to, to forecast. But I'm going to give you my opinion. First of all, I think that nowadays, despite the developments that quantum computing 
has experimented in the last four or five years, which is impressive because quantum computing is a really young technology and the technology is improving a lot. But still, quantum computers are not prepared to solve a real-world problem. There is a phrase from Isang Chuang, which is an MIT teacher, which summarizes, I think, the current state of quantum computers very well. He says that the thing driving the hype about quantum computing is that we realize that it is real, that it's not fiction anymore. Quantum computing has changed from being the dream of a physicist to be the nightmare of an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is the current state. I think we have quantum computers. The technology is evolving a lot, but yet the quantum computers are, let's say, small. There are still a lot of noise in the device. So Let's say that we can perform only calculations for toy problems at this moment. Of course, the technology is evolving really, really fast. And I think that in the coming years, we are going to start to see applications in the real world. We are going to be able to solve real problems with quantum computers. Of course, there are many different applications of quantum computing. I think that some applications are going to be ready faster than others. Every expert says that the applications that are going to come uh, first are the ones related with quantum chemistry. This is because when you try to research about a new material, at the microscopic level, the material behaves like a quantum system. So for researching about that, you have to be able to simulate quantum systems with a classical computer. And classical computers are really, really bad simulating quantum system. And of course, quantum computing is a quantum system. So a quantum computing is much more efficient simulating quantum systems. So I think that these are the applications that are going to be ready first. And regarding the sustainability, I think that this question is even more difficult than the previous question. First of all, of course, you can't compare the energy consumption of a quantum computer with the energy consumption of a personal computer. This comparison wouldn't be fair. I don't have the information if a quantum computer is more efficient than a supercomputer. I have to say that the technology is still pretty young, so it's not really efficient. But I think that quantum computing is going to impact the sustainability as thanks to quantum computing, we are going to be able to perform many of the tasks that we are doing right now in a more efficient way. In fact, in Fujitsu, We have been working in a project regarding root optimization, which the main driver was to reduce the distance of the technicians. And this has a a direct impact on the sustainability because you reduce the fuel consumption regarding the discovery of new materials. Thanks to quantum computing, we are going to be able to discover 
new materials that are more sustainable and more different kind of fuels. I think that definitely the quantum computing is going to impact sustainability. Right now, the energy consumption is really, really big for a quantum computer because you have to think that most of the quantum computers requires temperatures which are near to the absolute zero. And for, for being able to maintain the quantum computer at this temperature, you need a lot of energy, but these are the first prototypes. There are also another approaches, another technologies for quantum computers in which you don't need to have the chips in such a low temperatures. And I think that when technology improves and develops, we are going to see much more efficient quantum computers and much more sustainable quantum computers. We are looking at the first prototypes right now. If we looked at the first prototypes that we have of classical computers <laughs> 60 or 70 years ago, we had computers of a size of a room. I, I'm sure that those computers were much less efficient than the computers that we have right now, energetically speaking. Yes, that's true. And maybe if they are less efficient, as you were mentioning, by their really improved calculus, they will be able to give us answers to be more efficient in other domains. So yeah, that's true that it's a new topic that maybe in the future will be really important. So yeah, I agree with you. So just to end, I have a couple of questions to conclude the episode that I tried to ask to all of the people coming. So the first question would be, how do you like coffee? Yeah, I think that honoring the name of the podcast, you should invite only people who likes coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I have some friends that don't like coffee. And when I'm with them, it's like, Really? You don't like coffee? I cannot rely on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, me too. I love coffee. I try not to take too much. I only drink coffee in the morning and I like black coffee, but not black coffee at the Spanish style or the Portuguese style, which is a really strong black coffee. I like more like American kind coffee, but without sugar. And without sugar, without directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directly. Wow. <laughs> Really great. And also, how can the audience follow you or contact you if, if they want to know more about quantum computing or about you? How can they contact you? I think that I can send you my email and you can put the information of my email in the description. And I have to say that I'm really happy to answer any question and to, in general, to talk about quantum computing. I love this technology and I will be pleased if any of your followers send me a, an email. Okay, so I will link it. Yes, of course. Thank you very much, Alejandro. It has been a great pleasure. You are really brave and really kind to be here, even though there is not any interview published yet. Thank you for the invitation. I'm really honored. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alejandro. Thanks for being here one more week. If you liked it, please subscribe to the podcast and to the newsletter in alejandroperezperez.com. Please share both with your friends and relatives and don't forget to give me five stars in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next week.
Bye, bye.